1: Welcome to the Voice of a Nation. I'm Alana Friedman, sitting in for Malcolm Out Loud, and ready to bring you an hour of news and analysis on the subjects that are commanding our attention today, tomorrow, and maybe for quite a while. Let's start with something that has been on our plate for so long that it may be starting to get old and tiresome, but it's far from over. I'm talking about the Supreme Court reversal of the Roe v. Wade decision that is still making waves on the left and causing what some would call an insurrection by the left on the foundations of our constitutional nation. You know, I get that there are many people who are upset about all this. The original Roe v. Wade decision gave women the understanding that having abortions at will was a constitutional right. And as a result, women came to accept that they have a right, a right, to have an abortion whenever they felt they needed or even just wanted one. I think it's fair to say that there is nothing in the Constitution that mentions or refers to anything relating to childbearing or abortion. There is no so-called right to abortion anywhere in the Constitution. Nor is there any mention of women's health care. It's not there. And yet what we're hearing today from the angry left is that the Supreme Court has taken away women's constitutional right to have an abortion. They say it's their right to decide what to do with their own bodies. Their constitutional right. Only there is no such thing and they say it all has to do with women's health care. In fact, the real issue is something else entirely. So here's my question. When did killing the unborn become women's health care? The left portrays itself as the keeper of the flame of conscience and support for the oppressed. They support loud and clear the right, of a woman to make decisions about their own bodies. And that makes sense because if the issue is illness or fitness or what to eat or what medicines to take or what doctor to see or even what birth control method to use, it all falls under the aegis of a woman's right to decide what is right for her. It's her concern and it's between her and her doctor if it's a medical issue or her partner if it's not. But once she has gotten pregnant, Once she has engaged in sexual activity that has gotten her pregnant, and I'm not talking about rape, she is no longer the only one concerned. She has a new life growing inside her, and she isn't the only person involved in the decision. It is not just about her. More than that, unless it's a medical complication, this isn't a health care issue. It's a lifestyle issue, maybe. She doesn't want to have children or she just doesn't feel ready for that. But that is not a health issue. That's a lifestyle issue. Now, I'm not a fanatic about abortion. There are some situations where an abortion is the only option. An ectopic pregnancy, for example, where the baby starts growing in the fallopian tubes and wouldn't be able to develop there without seriously injuring The mother, in fact, may be killing her. There was a recent case, another kind of case, when a 10-year-old girl was raped and became pregnant. That's a very unusual situation, but it happened in this case. She lived in a state that forbids abortion, and so she was taken across state lines where abortion is still legal. I have no problem with that at all. A 10-year-old girl is not likely to be physically able to carry and deliver a full-term baby without serious threat to her life. Forcing her to do so would be cruel and dangerous. So abortion in this case was the only option. But when a woman becomes pregnant, and I'm talking about a woman, not a little girl, and sorry guys, only women can become pregnant, abortion all too often becomes an option of convenience. The woman doesn't want the baby at all or doesn't feel ready to have the baby. uh, That's possible. But this is a new developing human being, and it didn't get there by itself. It's no longer reasonable to kill it and call it woman's health care. Unless the pregnancy endangers the woman's life, it's not health care. It's murder. There are easy ways to prevent a pregnancy that are freely available. And in many places, there are free birth control options for those who cannot otherwise afford them. But here's the thing. It's the responsibility of the woman to make sure that if she doesn't want to get pregnant, she plans for the possibility and protects herself accordingly. Abortion should never be an act of convenience. And there's that word again that I just said, responsibility. When this country was founded, it granted the new Americans life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And that was based on the idea that we would enjoy our freedom responsibly and take that responsibility seriously. The whole concept of a free republic was based on personal responsibility. It is a woman's responsibility to ensure that pregnancy only happens when she wants it to. It is her body, and she has the responsibility to protect it. But once she becomes pregnant, it is no longer her body alone. And she is now responsible for protecting the life she carries. Protecting it, not destroying it. So the ongoing demonstrations and the threats against the Supreme Court and the violence against pregnancy support centers that help women get through their pregnancies without resorting to abortion these are the forerunners of anarchy and the totally irresponsible destruction of the foundations of our democracy mob rule instead of law and order we can do better than that much better Now, let's take a big leap and talk about something quite different. The economy. Oh, boy. On July 27th, the Fed raised the interest rate by 75 basis points, or in English, three quarters of a percentage point. That is the most aggressive economic tightening we have seen in nearly 30 years. It's the second interest rate hike by 75 basis points. It's huge. It brings up the interest rate, which is the rate at which commercial banks borrow and lend, so that it may not mean much to you, you know, on a day-to-day basis. But here is an example of what it might mean if you wanted to borrow money. If you would have paid 5 to 6% last fall, you will now be paying 7.5% to a little more than 8%. It may not sound like much, when I put it like that, but if you're paying an additional 2.5% on your mortgage, that's going to add up fast. And we will all feel it as it gets passed on to the producers of our food, clothing, cars, gasoline, and so forth. Our president says it's nothing to worry about. He says our economy is still strong, and he denies that we're in a recession. After the Fed raised the interest rate, President Biden said, that doesn't sound like a recession to me, even though new data has been released showing our GDP has contracted for the second quarter in a row, which is the traditional definition of a recession. Why should he worry, right? He's a multimillionaire. But the truth is that no one outside of the ones who do his books and his banker really know how much he's worth. According to Forbes, during the years after his vice presidency and before his ascendancy to the Oval Office, Joe Biden earned $17.3 million. And yet, Forbes estimates that when Biden took office in January 2021, he was worth only, only, they said, about $8 million. So Forbes asked, what happened to all that money? According to my intelligence sources, Joe Biden is actually worth a great deal more than that. The New York Post has reported the Biden family, including his son Hunter, who served as a point man on a number of these deals, were enriched to the tune of $31 million. According to the New York Post article, quote, every known deal that the Biden family enjoyed with Beijing was reached courtesy of individuals with spy ties. Spy ties. And Joe Biden personally benefited from his family's foreign deals. How do we know this? Because hundreds of emails documenting the deal found on Hunter Biden's laptops, left in a Delaware repair shop in 2019, provided a detailed account of all of these transactions. There's a new book out by New York Post columnist Miranda Devine called a Laptop from Hell. The book explains in detail how all this came about, and it is all documented on Hunter's laptop, which he abandoned, as I said, in a repair shop in Delaware. The New York Times discredited the story of Hunter's laptop for a very long time and right through the election of 2020. They called it the entire story misinformation until it was finally forced to admit much later that the reports about the files on the computer were in fact quite true. Hunter Biden parlayed his contacts and connection with his father into a 10% share of the Bohai Harvest RST investment fund, better known as BHR. Hunter Biden's share is estimated to be worth about $20 million. He sold his equity stake in the company in May 2022, but there is no account yet of how much he actually made on the investment. My intelligence source also reported that the group known as Biden Inc. has raked in millions of dollars from China for living up to the promise to withdraw from Afghanistan by August 31st. Joe Biden beat that deadline, for which he was reportedly promised a payout worth $50 million. No word, though, on whether he ever actually received it. The Chinese are less than completely trustworthy, as you probably know by now. What is even more troubling than the monetary benefits which the Biden family has raked in as a perk of Joe Biden's position as vice president and now president— are the apparent connections between the deep relationships that the Chinese principles in these ventures have to the communist government, but also the amount of access they were apparently given to Washington and the White House. We're gonna be talking a lot more about China's spy mission. It's huge and it is dangerous and it is threatening us more than you can imagine. We'll talk about that in another show, but today I just want to focus on the fact that according to the huge number of emails on Hunter Biden's laptop that show the connections between the Bidens, including our president and the Chinese Communist Party officials and spy network, the process by which they enrich themselves at the expense of U.S. interests becomes very clear. Joe Biden has been, it seems, proud of his ability to leverage his position to get what he wants. Do you remember the video that began making the rounds a few years ago when Joe Biden, speaking to the Council on Foreign Relations in January 2018, when he bragged about threatening to withhold a billion dollars in loan guarantees from Ukraine unless they fired the district attorney who was investigating an energy firm, Burisma, where Hunter Biden sat on the board. Joe Biden actually bragged about extorting another country, using his influence as American vice president, to threaten a foreign government in order to protect his son. Nothing wrong with that picture, is there? I think it is safe to say that the election of Joe Biden should never have happened. Given his history of shady dealings and blatant lawbreaking, and now we are looking at a dramatically dysfunctional president, a president who is barely there. But we are stuck with him for the time being. Anyway, it seems that the American people are waking up. Biden's favorability ratings are in the tank barely 30% by some polls, and not getting any better. While taking care of his and his family's own well-being, he has managed to go a long way towards destroying the American economy and that of our allies in Europe, Asia, and the Middle East. Everywhere you look, if the hand of Joe Biden has touched it, it's in ruins. I am sure that I'm not alone when I say that all this makes me angry. No, it makes me furious. This country that I love so much, that stands for so much that is good and strong and beautiful. Over the last year and a half, we have lost so much of what makes this country great. We have a president who makes deals with China, a country that has made it clear that it wants to turn us into a third world nation. He has canceled our ability to generate our own fuel. And has gone hat in hand to tyrants to beg for their energy. When we could have had our own at far less cost. He has destroyed so many jobs. And his administration has bribed the American people to stay home and not go back to work. And they have opened our borders to an invasion of illegal immigrants that now approaches 3 million people. November will be a major test for America's future. Will we wake up in time to stop this disaster from getting any worse? Or will we see a repeat of the 2020 election fiasco in which fraud in a handful of states gave the win to the loser? We'll be talking about that in more depth next week. But in the meantime, we can discuss what this breakdown means on America's largest city, New York City, the Big Apple, Crime Central. That's what we'll be talking about right after the break. I'm Alana Friedman, sitting in for Malcolm Out Loud, and you're listening to The Voice of a Nation. Stay tuned, and I'll be right back.
0: In 2008, the amount of concentrated time people could spend on a task without becoming distracted was 12 seconds. Five years later, it was only 8 seconds, one second less than a goldfish. If you find yourself always distracted or having trouble recalling information, you're likely to fall behind in the demanding, fast paced 21st century. In other words, brain performance is more critical now than ever. Boost your brain power with Healthy Cells Focus Plus Recall. Science-backed nootropics to sharpen focus, concentrate longer, enhance recall, improve mental speed, learn rapidly, and be more alert. It's a pill-free brain supplement made with maximum absorption technology designed to feed our brains at the cellular level. Take it for a test drive. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of Focus Plus Recall. That's HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD for 20% off. All right, you've all heard Malcolm and the great doctor Peter McCullough talk about the pulpitone iodine based nasal spray Cofix RX. They talk about it because it's a product that actually works in combating colds, flus, and coronaviruses. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. It's simple by attacking viruses where they incubate, you make it easier for your body to heal. Check out the CopixerX banner ad on americaoutloud.com and save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD.
1: Welcome back to the Voice of a Nation. I'm Alana Friedman, sitting in for Malcolm Out Loud, and my guest today is Ruth Katz. Ruth is the founder of Citizens for a Safe NYC. This is an organization whose time has come, nonpartisan, working through advocacy and community action, working with elected officials to transform the quality of life for the people of New York City and to make it safe again. And from everything I've heard, Ruth, your mission is urgently needed in New York. So thank you for what you do and for being on The Voice of a Nation today.
2: Thank you so much for having me, Alana.
1: Ruth, I know a lot of people who love New York City. I'm one of them. They love the energy and the excitement of the city, and they can't understand what has happened to it. Can you give us an idea of what New York City is like these days? Why it was so important for you to create this organization?
2: Well, New York is a place that everyone loves to be in for its energy, for the business opportunity, for all that it has to offer with entertainment and culture. And there's a lot of people that have spent a lot of their wonderful, they have a lot of wonderful memories here and they raised their families here, but people are scared and they have every right to be right now. And if we don't have safety, we have nothing.
1: What, uh, what is causing this fear?
2: Well, right now, it seems like the crime is up I think 31% since last June and one of the reasons is that we have cashless bail. There's no consequences.
1: So somebody can go commit a crime, they get arrested, and then they're let go. They go back on the street.
2: Yes, there has to be, there has to be law and order.
1: Okay, so what, what happens? So what happens to people? What's it like for people living in New York City and they go to, to work? They go to do their errands. What, what is it like? Well, I think you know New Yorkers are just sick and tired of their communities
2: being overrun by crime, and we're putting the criminals' rights over the law-abiding citizens' right. And I think they're 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 sick and tired of this defund police movement and this cashless bail law, and it's allowing career criminals to continue their crime sprees. I, I think this is an attack of our freedoms, and and um, and and our and our you know it's just, it's a risk for everybody right now. You know, you're not allowed to have mace if they don't sell it here in New York. So you can't rely on the police. Like, really, what are you supposed to do? How are you supposed to go back to work? How are you supposed to ride the subways?
1: Yeah, there have been some terrible stories about the subways. People have been killed on the subway. They've been murdered just going to work or coming home. My mother-in- law used to live in New York and she was an old woman and she was she was in her late 80s and and she was there until her early 90s and in her later days, it was dangerous for her just to go out walking. Imagine if there are criminals out there who want to steal her purse or just knock her over for the fun of it. And that's happening, isn't it? Well, there's really just there's no
2: consequences you're not able to defend yourself. Like here, we had the bodega owner that was being showed clearly on the videotape. He was put in a corner. He was forced into defending himself. And then he is being prosecuted. But the attackers, you know, the attacker was not. So we have to look at the politicians that we put in place. We have to look at what their policies are. I think it's very important that we look at, for voting for November, that we look at all the candidates, don't vote on party, vote vote on the policy understand who the politician is and what they represent alvin bragg our existing d.a was very clear he said that he was going to have cashless bail he said he was going to let people shop 250 dollars no consequences he what? said he was not going to prosecute against a lot of crimes and then when he's voted in office because people are just voting one party and then all of a sudden people are like oh no why is he doing this let's let's repeal him. <laughs> But we, we can't do that like in San Francisco. The only way that he can be removed would be through the governor. And can Kathy Hochul do it? Yes. Is she not? Doesn't look like it. You ask Kathy Hochul about crime, she says she's waiting on statistics. Well, statistics are more deaths, so more crime. I mean, we're clearly just going in circles. I think we need to really focus on common sense.
1: So, running against Kathy Hochul in the upcoming in the upcoming elections is Lee Zeldin, and just a very short while ago, he was attacked at one of his campaign events near Rochester, New York, attacked by somebody with a a, a, a crazy little knife, and he went right for the jugular. I saw the video. I just couldn't. I I, I had to see it over and over again. I couldn't believe it. Lee Zeldin's reactions were incredible. He was so fast. He First he thought the guy was just a fan, and then he saw he had something in his hand. It was a knuckle knife, and he reacted immediately. So what what do you make of all that? Yeah, so let's break down that exact scenario. Here you
2: have someone that's not prepared. They're on stage speaking about crime, and it was like <laughs> it was a movie, right? So someone just comes up on stage, and it turns out, he was a, a rocky vet and lee zeldin has served in the military so when you see you know when you see someone for that was a vet he automatically has his guard down because he's thinking that someone that's you know like-minded and the guy has a, a sharp object with points and he's coming at him right towards his neck um so he's lee zeldin was trained from being in the military and from learning martial arts when he was growing up that he immediately went to the attacker's wrist and was able to pull the hand down and now this is something we all learn from this to do the same move not go go for the weapon but to go for the wrist to stop the motion and then they were able to you know the other team members were able to tackle him so you know it's a, it's a couple of things going on here because we, you know where is the law and order here that someone just comes up on stage um, and it's a and it's a sad situation because here it's like we don't support are the people that have come out of the military my son's in the military so i I really understand this and he was drunk so he was moving in slow motion fortunately because if it was faster maybe the reaction wouldn't have been as successful as it was luckily that no one was hurt and then so he was arrested but he was released within a couple of hours and that's where the issue lies because once again it's down to consequences like you think okay well I, you know, it's like a free for all. Do what you want, and there's not going to be consequences. It doesn't stop people from thinking twice about about committing crimes. And so, in, in the long run, it turns out since Lee is a standing congressman, they're able to, you know, hold him now on federal charges. But a regular citizen, no, that that perpetrator is is uh, it can is free, and he's not held up in jail waiting to go to jail. I and mean, he's he's out on the streets as a many career criminals are released back on the street.
1: You know, that's incredible to me. It makes absolutely no sense, and I can't imagine, I can't understand why any politician would want that on his record or her record to be supporting such a program. We find ourselves in a very peculiar situation in America right now where, where crime is rampant, where law and order... Is, is falling apart in some places and there doesn't seem to be a remedy. So tell me about your organization and what it is you do that can maybe help to mediate this.
2: Well, I started this in June of 20 when the riots started in the city that I grew up in I loved so much. And to see that the government was allowing this destruction to happen, it didn't really make sense to me, especially where we were all under COVID restrictions. I had a a uh, close friend that died and we couldn't go to his funeral. We couldn't go to place of worship. Yeah. But then there was protesters allowed to be on the street. And there are people that were able to gather and to be you know, doing destruction. And the destruction that was made was, you know, it, was, it cost our country a lot of money. And there was a lot of damage that was done and people that were hurt. And it just made me think like, okay, this, this is wrong. And we need, we're the citizens, like the government works for us. Like we're the clients. So let's do something opposite. Let's bring community together because it doesn't really matter where you stand politically. We all want the same things. We all want to have safety, a good quality of life, prosperous economics. So let's figure a way to bring the people together. Like We are the citizens you know this is i did citizens for safe nyc but i have the domain names for all the different cities and it's really we're citizens for a safe usa i mean we need to follow our constitution no no government no any type of party any type of group can be bigger than what the, the constitution is to protect us
1: you know i'm sure you've given a lot of thought to this what you're saying about the situation out there in in our cities today have you figured out any rationale why city officials would, would do this, would, would go light on criminals and hard on citizens?
2: I think we're in a healing crisis. I, I think that sometimes you have to break down old systems to create new systems. But I think we've gone a little bit too far out now. I, I know it's about equality and, you know, people can't afford bail, Common sense is if you can't afford bail, then don't do the crime. So I think at this point that we 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 understand we have to look at the bottom line and statistics. This, this it seems like bail reform is a disaster. I I if you look at the statistics, it it's not helping us. I think we need to have change. I think we have to understand that there has to there has to be a way to come to a, a medium. We have to we have to come to solutions, right? Yeah. I mean, I didn't really even understand why we went straight to defund the police. It'd be, it should be straight to reform police. Like, we need police. There have there's, been issues. People are unhappy with the police. So let's work on a solution. Let's reform police. Let's have a bail that, that's, that's more appropriate. But it can't be cashless bail. There has to be a bail that's more appropriate. Let's work on solutions. Let's work on, a, like, let's go with the, uh, the government officials. Let's look to find policies that are going to be more productive.
1: That's a a very good approach, and I wish more people had it because it, whenever you run into problems, you can either suffer with them, and a lot of people do, or you can try to solve the problem. And sometimes you can't do it yourself, so you, you get allies in your uh, search for solutions, And you work with people who can help you to find solutions. And I think that is a process that I wish more people would adopt. This is something that I I, I don't think most people really consider. They suffer, sometimes in silence, sometimes noisily, but they don't understand how to solve it or they don't know how to solve it. And so the problem goes on and there is no, there's no relief so what you're doing, it sounds exactly. like, yeah, so, so tell me how you're going about doing this. Well, so, so
2: when this started in June, so I decided, like, you know, I, I know I'm very um, connected to a lot of people. I have a very big social network, and a lot of people were just writing back and forth and complaining, and all these different social media groups and complaining. I'm like, oh, well, let's, why, why are we all these different groups? Why don't we just become like, one group? Why don't, and I, you know, I started to gather, we have meetings every week, we're having Zooms with different elected officials. We we're trying to come to some solutions. So I'm, I'm a person of action, right? So I, can hear that. Uh, I partnered, we partnered up with an app. It's a free app called G-Post. It's an app that's approved by FEMA as an emergency response app. So when you download it, you put in your emergency contacts. And if you have a problem, you can press your panic button and it'll show your exact location. Because nine one one was set up for landline, it was not set up originally for cell phone, and it's not always accurate to find you. So this is a way. So it's just an extra tool, that if you, you you can get help if needed. It was an app that was started back in Australia during the brush fires when the cell wow. phone service is down. This, this doesn't. This app does not rely on cell service. It's going through the internet, and it's it's definitely it has um, technology that's it's more accurate and be able and to, to find your location and you can talk anonymously on there and watch different zones of what's happening and you know the, the problem is is that it, it's hard to get the app known i mean it costs so much money to get people to understand but i uh, we've offered this app to, uh, to eric adams three times that the city should be using this app oh boy it's just, you know it's an extra, it's, it's an it's an extra tool Right. And hopefully you'll never have to use it. But it's there in an emergency because, uh, you know, the one, I remember one time I um, I was walking on a desolate block uh, late at night. And, you know, I was just had the app out just as it emerges, I had the panic button out. And then it turns out a bicycling gang came right through where I was walking. And it was just it was just saying, you know, and not that they were doing anything destructive, but it's, it's just they were, you know, they were loud and then just kind of intimidating and it was just an extra you know, piece of security, peace of mind for me. And then I also teamed up with a wonderful foundation called the CPR Foundation, the Community Police Relations. And they're an organization that helped bridge the gap between the people and the police, where uh, the police are giving out turkeys on Thanksgiving, and they're giving out coats and post drives in the winter. And it's a really nice charity where it's... Um, it's the police and the people working together, which, once again, I'm about bringing community together. So if you go on to citizensforsafenyc.com, you can put in your information to, to be on our list. And, um, and then you can see the link for the G-Post app and for the CPR Foundation, as well as our social media links.
1: Okay, that sounds that's very exciting actually because uh, you were talking about your own experience walking down the uh, you know a dark street in a dark night and and running into these these gang members. So, you had your cell phone and you pushed the panic button? Is that how it works?
2: I had it ready. I had it ready to push if I if I really had a problem.
1: So, it's on your phone.
2: It's on my phone and it would get my son, it would get my doorman, it would show my parents where I am.
1: Uh, that's that's amazing. Wow. And that's called G-Post. G-Post. Ruth, tell our listeners how they can get that app.
2: It's available on the App Store and Google Play Store. Okay,
1: got it. Okay, yeah. All right, well, that's very interesting, and I think that makes a lot of sense. Ruth, I'm uh, really bowled over by the, the the proactiveness of your solutions. I think this is something that I wish more people in more cities would do. I'm looking at some of the cities like Seattle and Portland and Los Angeles and San Francisco, and, and it's very depressing, actually, because they seem to be going in the opposite direction. But I like very, very much where you're going. I'm, I have a background in, in homeland security, and this is something that I think measures up to that standard. It has to, People have to be safe, and the the people who run the governments and the the cities and states have to be mindful of the fact that their responsibility is to their citizens. So um, thank you for what you do. A big thank you uh, to you, Ruth Katz, founder of Citizens for a Safe NYC. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show, and I hope you will come back and give us an update on your progress. Well,
2: thank you so much. Look, we're all in this together.
1: Yes, we are. And it's, it's good to hear that from you. And I hope more people will pick up that, that cry because that's really what it's all about. And that's what America is about. We're all in this together. Ruth, thank you very, very much. Thank you so much, Talon. I appreciate it. Now, if you missed that website, it's citizensforasafenyc.com. Now, after the break... We will talk about some other hot spots, and I'll even have a funny story or two. I'm Alana Friedman, sitting in for Malcolm Out Loud, and you're listening to The Voice of a Nation on the America Out Loud Network. I'll be right back after the break.
0: Our global experts are brilliant writers and engaging hosts on a mission of a lifetime. You'll find the latest news and inspiration On the front page of americaoutloud.com it's summertime ready for your vacation to the beach the lake or the mountains but what about your accommodations ever wonder what germs were left behind by the previous guests kathy g from tulsa says the genesis fogger gives her peace of mind and confidence when traveling with genesis she knows that the air and surfaces in her vacation rental are free of bacteria and viruses left behind by the previous occupants Visit GenesisFolger.com forward slash out loud to receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Folger with promo code OutLoud. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next.
2: You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe. Air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with clear. No messy bottles to fill. No drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com.
1: Welcome back to The Voice of America. I'm your guest host, Alana Friedman, sitting in for Malcolm Out Loud, and we've been talking about Several difficult issues, crime in our cities, corruption in the Oval Office, the issue of abortion and the end of Roe vs. Wade, so maybe we could use a little bit of lightening up. There'll be more of the real news, but here's some bad news for candy lovers. Hershey's has announced that there will not be enough chocolate to go around this Halloween. O-M-G. Hershey's CEO, Michelle Buck, said simply, We will not be able to fully meet consumer demand. Unquote. It seems that consumers are insisting on more regular and Halloween candy than Hershey can make. And that will leave little doorbell ringers disappointed. I remember one dentist who used to hand out toothbrushes instead of candy. I don't think there is a shortage of toothbrushes yet, but I doubt that that's what the little trick-or-treaters want. Hershey has other problems as well. In addition to their inability to produce enough Halloween chocolates, the company has to deal with supply chain issues, including higher prices for dairy and other ingredients, as well as competition from other candy makers like Mars and Wrigley and others. But the bottom line, the real question, is this. What will Halloween be without Hershey's kisses? Michelle Buck blamed these issues on the war in Ukraine. Really? That was an easy target. Biden uses it all the time. Oh, well, one excuse is as good as another. And here's something else to ponder. The Democrats are still not through with Donald Trump. I think they must be completely traumatized by his sheer force of will that will not allow him to stand down. At a recent rally, he all but announced that he would run for president again in 2024. (laughs) He didn't come out and say it. He almost did, but he was very cagey. But now, two and a half years early, before anyone should be talking about the next presidential election, the Democrats are running around in circles trying to entrap him once more. Their latest gambit was to announce that the Justice Department is formally investigating former President Trump, and this is a quote, as part of its larger criminal inquiry into efforts to overturn the 2020 election. Unquote. Hey guys, what is your problem? There was fraud in the last presidential election. It did affect the outcome. It would have been reasonable to question the results. And now the proof is pouring in. Just listen to these headlines. MSNBC wrote Trump's Michigan election fraud claims actually proved true. Here's one from Real Clear Politics. New peer-reviewed research finds evidence of 2020 voter fraud. And here's another one. Proof of massive election fraud finally emerges. And one more. Finally, actual evidence that there was fraud in the 2020 elections. And just one more. Here's evidence that 2020 presidential election was rigged. And so on. It goes on and on. Here's my point. There was fraudulent activity that influenced the outcome of the 2020 election. We know that now. We have proof. And we are continuing to get more proof as time goes on. If it had been investigated right after the election, when it should have been, would the outcome have been different? Maybe. But the Democrats don't want to find out. Maybe on some level. They know that if they did investigate, they would find that they had lost the election after all. But that is water over the dam, as they say. The time for that is over. Joe Biden is sitting in the Oval Office, and however competent he may be, he's there. The bigger point is that the Democrats seem to be getting more and more panicky, and they just won't give up. According to the Washington Post, prosecutors are already interviewing witnesses, and since Trump's inner circle is not being cooperative, those who worked in the inner circle of former Vice President Pence are now being interviewed. If this is not evidence of panic, I don't know what is. Look, they tried to impeach him, twice, and failed to convict, both times. They have lied about his actions fabricated conversations and documents, stacked the January 6th committee with Democrats and rhinos, and staged a show trial that was ludicrous and shameful. They made the U.S. Congress look like a banana republic. It's high time for the lying politicians to hang up their gear and go home. Pelosi, Schumer, Schiff, Feinstein, Waters, and so many more. They are all a disgrace to the positions they hold, and their lust for keeping their power and destroying their enemies is un-American and shameful. You know, if it were not so awful, it might make a dark comedy. It's funny. Well, it's not funny. It's terrible. How can so many smart people act so dumb and keep repeating the same mistakes over and over again? Maybe they're not so smart after all. And maybe it's time, as I said, for them to hang up their congressional gear and go home. Schumer, Schiff, Pelosi, Feinstein, Waters, and a host of others. It's time to go home, folks. It's time to retire and let America go back to being America again before it's too late. Now, here's a more serious story. Well, that one was serious too, I guess, but this is serious in a different way. We talked about China earlier, but did you know that the Chinese communists are buying up hundreds of thousands of acres of American farmland and ranch land? and that this farmland just happens to be in the vicinity of sensitive military bases? Chinese businessmen from the People's Republic of China spent over $6.1 billion on real estate in one year alone. That's the most of any foreign buyer. And they spent it, as I said, on farm and ranch land. For example, the Chinese company Fufang Group, which is a massive agricultural company connected to Beijing, bought 370 acres of farmland for $2.6 million in Grand Fork, North Dakota. Would you be surprised to know that the land is very near Grand Fork's Air Force Base? Coincidence? Not likely. And China has spent at least the last 10 years trying to install a massive electronic intelligence and jamming capabilities in locations around the United States, near military installations. They put them adjacent to Air Force bases and in Washington, D.C. Such a system could be devastating to our sensitive electronic systems that control American nuclear weapon systems and strategic communications that are essential to our national security. In Wyoming, in North Dakota, in Nebraska, Montana, Colorado, Texas, Chinese-made equipment has been installed dangerously close to America's nuclear triad and the 400 ICBMs. Those are the intercontinental ballistic missiles that protect us from nuclear attack. The reality is that the Chinese Communist Party will lie, steal, and do whatever it takes to get hold of the critical intellectual property that they want, including lifting patents, stealing trade secrets, and reverse-engineering technological products of the companies that bring their manufacturing to China. In Texas, a Chinese billionaire bought up 140,000 acres and he set aside 15,000 acres to build a wind farm for his company, G.H. America Energy. It should come as no surprise that the property is near Laughlin Air Force Base. It's good to know that in June 2021, Texas Governor Greg Abbott signed the Lone Star Infrastructure Protection Act. The bill is supposed to prevent business entities associated with hostile nations from accessing the Texas electricity grids and other pieces of critical infrastructure, including computer networks and waste treatment systems. This may be a step in the right direction, but it is not a complete answer. There need to be laws that forbid foreign ownership of land in critical locations where national security may be compromised. It should be absolute. But it's not that simple because the Chinese are using straw purchasers to buy some of their properties. So the Chinese ownership is unknown. This is complicated and complex. There are no easy answers. But the first thing that must be realized is that the threat is real. And it is here. We know that China wants to bring the U.S. to its knees and take over American leadership in the world. The difference is that the United States is still a free country. And although our reputation is waning, China is a communist tyranny, and America is the only country that can take it on. And by the way, it isn't just farmland and ranch land that China is trying to buy up. CNN wrote a story in July about a Chinese bid to build a beautiful garden based on Chinese tradition. That's a laugh. The practice of Chinese tradition is forbidden in China. Anyway, they wanted to build it at the National Arboretum in Washington, D.C. in 2017. They wanted to spend $100 million for this garden, which would be outfitted with temples and pavilions and a huge pagoda. It would certainly attract thousands of visitors a year. Very attractive, no? But U.S. counterintelligence officials were deeply concerned. The pagoda would have been situated on one of the highest points in Washington. It would also be just two miles from the U.S. Capitol. It would be a perfect spot for compromising national intelligence with signals intelligence collection. But here's the kicker. The Chinese officials also wanted to build the pagoda, with materials shipped from China in diplomatic pouches. Oh, really? Well, that was a dead giveaway because U.S. customs officials are forbidden to open and examine the contents of diplomatic pouches. What a great way to smuggle in listening devices and other espionage technology without our knowledge. But that's how it's done, you see. Their history of spying goes back many years, and it's a long story. The fact that our government still has not caught on to the extent of their espionage is breathtaking. And it should give us pause about the future of our country. Because if we cannot protect ourselves, who is going to save us? The Chinese have managed to infiltrate our laboratories and universities, stealing technology and proprietary intellectual property wherever they can. The fact that we have not caught on yet to their mission and their methods in a more comprehensive way, and that we still allow them to run their plots throughout the country, is not only shocking, it's deadly dangerous. So where am I going with all this? Yes... China is a huge threat from outside and inside our country. They are ambitious, they are determined, and they have no scruples when it comes to how they play the game. Our government, the United States government, should be a buffer for us in these confusing times. But the government, our elected government in Washington, is a wall when it comes to protecting the best interests of the American people, Against the threats that are facing us now every day. When we object to seeing innocent people hounded, harassed, and arrested in China for objecting to the tyranny of the CCP, and then we see hundreds of participants in the January 6th disorder at the Capitol kept in jail for over 18 months in total disregard of the Fourteenth Amendment. Which guarantees that, quote, no state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws, unquote. But this constitutional guarantee has been totally disregarded. And when we see that left-wing lawbreakers are released with a slap on the wrist, but those considered right-wing lawbreakers are held indefinitely without due process, when we see all this, then we know that this is a bridge too far. We have crossed that line between democracy and tyranny. The upcoming elections are crucial. Another two years of mismanagement by the Democrat leadership will doom America to a future as a second-class country. We just saw it again when, on July 29th, the House passed a new assault weapons ban. Are you surprised to know that the vote was largely along party lines? Of course, the law paints with a very broad brush and referred to the semi-automatic assault weapons, which include some handguns, by the way, as well as long guns and high-capacity magazines. I don't know why the Democrats think they have to micromanage our lives. They did it with the vaccine mandates, and they're trying to do it again with guns. They blame the need for such a law on the recent shootings that have occurred recently around the country. They jump to the ever-so-simple conclusion that the reason for the gun violence is the availability of guns. They ignore the evidence that the COVID lockdowns have created havoc in America's free society. We're not used to being told we cannot go out and being forced to stay home to keep our children inside. That's not natural for Americans. We are free people and we do not like being told we cannot be free the declaration of independence taught us that governments are instituted among men deriving their just powers from this consent of the governed we should remember those words because without them my friends we're no better than the tyrannies and banana republics for whom we have become a beacon well we've come to the end of another hour my friends thank you so much for spending it with me. I'm Alana Friedman, sitting in for Malcolm Out Loud, and you've been listening to the Voice of a Nation on the America Out Loud Network.